Prepare to dive into the world of marriage and family therapy. Get ready to tune into the Trey MFT podcast where we're thrilled to have you on this incredible journey with us. The Trey MFT podcast brings you a delightful blend of relatable personalities, thought-provoking discussions, and just the right touch of lighthearted humor, sprinkled with sports idioms to keep you engaged. As relational systemic therapists, we'll provide you with valuable insights and first perspectives to excel in the world of psychotherapy. This is the Trey MFT Podcast, and we're excited to have you on board. Welcome back to another episode of MFT, Trey MFT. For all of you who've been missing us, we're back. We're back in full effect, all right? Yes. Today's topic we're talking about is the screen time increase the risk of suicide ideations for preteen and teenagers. So relevant. Right? Yeah, yeah. Some of you know that I work with uh, young people, uh, you know, providing therapy for young people. And what I've noticed over the last maybe three years is that there has been an increase in suicide ideations and also an increase in hospitalizations mm. for suicide ideations for some of my teens that I work with. Right. And this has been over the last three years, there's been a sharp increase. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to analyze whether or not this phenomenon of this spike in suicide ideations has to do with screen time. All right. So let's get right into it. Um, let me hit you with some stats real quick. One of the stats says that between 13 and 14 year olds right now, suicide is the leading cause of death. With 10 years ago, it was not. But for 13 and 14 year olds right now, the CDC also said that there's been a 31% increase mm. among teenagers for suicide ideation from 2010 to 2015. When we talk about suicidal behavior, we're talking about um, young people, you know, um, talking about or about them feeling like they, they want to um, harm themselves, mm -hmm. right? We're talking about young people, you know, talking about having several thoughts of, of, of harming themselves over a period of time. We're talking about young people who have plans, mm. right? Actual plans of, of harming themselves, right? We're talking about young people who actually carry out plans, right? Mm. That means they're cutting themselves. That means they're being hospitalized because, you know, they actually maybe, you know, somehow hurt themselves, swallow some pills, you know, um, you know, you know, you can actually be hospitalized if you have a definite plan and a time of when you want to do something. Right. So there hasn't been an increase in, in just the thoughts, just the thought. you know, and, and actual having plans to do so. And some of these behaviors, you know, some people feel like screen time is irrelevant when it, when it comes to suicidal, um, suicidal ideation, any type of behavior. So let's talk about why does screen time increase suicidal behavior? OK. All right. So. One of the one of the things um, the articles are speaking of, you know, and one of the things I know from from um, my personal experience working with teens is that when when kids are on young people are on the screen, it means they're they're less time than they're interacting with with adults, mm -hmm. their peers, yeah. um, you know, in on a personal face to face basis, right? Uh, and when you're interacting less with folks on a personal face to face basis, you tend to be disconnected from those personal feelings. You tend to be disconnected from people who can give you advice um, counter to what you're seeing on the screen, right? 
um, personal, when you lose that personal face-to-face -face connection, you know, you lose those, those tangible things that, that, that happens in, in normal everyday relationships. So with parents, um, you know, if something bad happens, your parents are usually able to say to you, hold on, hold on one second, let's look at it from a, bit, a different perspective, or, you know, it'll be all right, you know, or they give you a different way of looking, a different outlook, a different perspective of looking at things, right? So when you're on the screen, you're losing that. That's one reason. I work at a fully virtual high school and some of the, some of the information that teenagers are expressing is um, some issues with sleeping mm -hmm. and increase of screen time, it disrupts that sleep behavior. It's, it fluctuates and we know that's not good for the mental health. And something that I always emphasize and stress is maintaining that physical activity. You know, so there are tons of benefits mm -hmm. um, associated with mental health and physical activity, mm -hmm. our endorphins and our mm -hmm. serotonin mm -hmm. to improve our mood, mm -hmm. um, confidence, energy level, mm -hmm. sharpens your thinking. All of those benefits of physical activity, when you're on the screen, you're reducing that amount of time of physical activity. You're not outside as often. Um, you're not moving as much and your sleep gets disrupted. Yeah. So yeah. that's increasing your anxiety provoking behaviors and action. Yeah. And that's something I talk about with, with um, our students is that we gotta take screen breaks, um, gotta get outside when you can. Yeah, and too much screen time decreases the likelihood of like what you were saying, preteens and adolescents going outside, getting vitamin D, right? Enjoying nature because they're so cooped up in their room that they're just and looking at a phone or or looking at a laptop or looking at an iPad, you know, and that, mm -hmm. you know, it's 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 all social media on those things, right? And that's all they have and that's all and they're thinking about. Right. So yeah. that's a good point about vitamin D because there's research that shows that not enough vitamin D can lead to depression-like symptoms. So that's a really good point with the vitamin D. Yeah, and, and, and when we talk about just vitamin D, now that we're on diet, we could talk about diet, right? Um, you know, most times kids are on, uh, young people are on these, these um, devices for hours at a time and they're not eating properly, right? Mm. So when you talk about, about mood disruption, you have the wrong diet, you know, they're just grabbing snacks, you have the wrong diet, that definitely sets up for mood disruption, right? Um, you know, so they're not eating properly. They're not getting proper exercise. They're not going outside and enjoying fresh air and getting vitamin D. All of those things contribute to, to um, anxiety. Uh, all those things contribute to poor mental health, right? Um, you know, I just want to go back to my other point too. You know, many, all of us, as we grow up, we, we gain valuable skills from interacting with other human beings, mostly our parents, right um they teach us how to cope they teach us how to be resilient you know um you know whether it be parents or some vat some adult some some loving caring adult in our life right or, or brothers and sisters so when that's cut off you know or, or, or when when that's curtailed you know we're not gaining those skills right and so when we go into the real world and we meet adversity what we tend to do is is not know how to deal with it mm -hmm. Right. And, and we shut down or, or there's a heightened sense of anxiety associated with that, i.e. mental health issues. Right. So that's what we're looking at. Um, I, hope, I hope that gives some clarity on why screen time may be a possible contributor to, um, you know, a breakdown in mental health. So one of the things that I think we should clearly define is what do we when we talk about screen time, we, we clearly define what suicide 
if we're talking about our suicide ideation, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what does screen time really mean, right? What, what, what are we talking about when we talk about screen time, right? That's a good point because how, how are we using the screen? Yeah. Um, what are we doing on it? Uh, so research identified four main categories. So there's passive, interactive, communication, and content creation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with passive, that's, you know, you might be bored, you're mindlessly just watching videos or shows, you're scrolling. Um, that's also known as like being an autopilot. You know, you're not really taking in any information. It's just, you're just going through the motions. Give me an example of that. <laughs> well, I'm guilty of that because sometimes when my sleep is disrupted, maybe because of screen time, um, you know, I wake up at odd hours and my hope is that I go back to sleep, but I pick up my phone and I'm just scrolling and nothing really comes of it. It's just to see what's out there. You know, it's, it's very mindless. So I would say that would be an example of, uh, passive screen time. Um, and then we go into interactive, which is, you know, as it is, you're playing games, um, you know, it's, you're probably doing like some problem solving. You're trying to scroll, like scroll or search for something in particular. There's a purpose there. Yeah, I do that. I, I play Sudoku. Oh, Sudoku? I, I play that and I can, I can spend like maybe three hours just playing, you know, challenging myself harder and harder because if it's very difficult, then, mm -hmm. you know, you really have to spend some time on it. Right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's a good point. Like problem solving in that interactive category and then going into communication so that would be your video calls, you're using social media, you're sending DMs. Um, your primary purpose is to communicate with someone else. And then uh, lastly, content creation. So you're making some digital art, music, coding, things like that. That's another purpose. So we're looking at four different categories, main categories of screen time. So the content creation would be, would because be, I'm at work on the screen, on, on, on my computer. I would say if, if, if there are eight hours in a work day, I could be at on the screen, you know, maybe six of those hours at work. Mm -hmm. So that would be the content creation part. I would say, yeah, content creation or communication. Um, I think it will lie uh, in between two of those because you're likely sending emails. Okay. Um, same for me. You know, I'm six hours working at a, a virtual school. So it is purposeful. So how do you, what about you, Jen? How do you spend your screen time? What are you doing? Well, um, I don't, I can't sit here and say that for a, a seven, eight, five, four hours, you know, cause I don't time myself, but um, I can say that I cannot be on my phone too much. Like it hurts my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts my eyes. And maybe that's some, the way to go. At some point, um, I just get a, a little frustrated if I feel myself too much. Mm -hmm having screen time because I feel like there's so much stuff that I can be doing. That, that's a good point because going back to our topic, we're talking about teens and preteens and, you know, that screen usage can lead to cyberbullying, which, you know, obviously can impact some suicidal ideation and um, anxiety. Yeah. Um, Dan, I like the fact that you have a built-in, um, you know, stopgap, you know, self-regulating mechanism that says, you know what, I've been on too long, right? But we know that because young people- That's mm -hmm. right. That was gonna be my next point. Prefrontal right. cortex are not well-developed. Yes. They don't have the capacity. It doesn't develop fully until they're in the 20s. 
they don't have the capacity to self-regulate like you do. Which we'll makes make it a lot difficult, right? Which makes it a lot, um, a lot more and difficult for them to just pull away. So yeah. and, and, exactly, and and um, you know, we talk about bullying. You know, bullying is probably when we talk about suicide ideation. Bullying plays a big part in why why um, teenagers or preteen tend to you know get depressed, right? Mm -hmm. um, either they're seeing something mm -hmm. that society is saying they should be. Or hearing something society saying there should be that mm -hmm. they don't think they can live up to that, or they're actually people saying to them that you're you're nothing, or or you know you're not what what mm -hmm. society is saying, mm -hmm. right? So so and they go into that depressed depressive state, mm -hmm. right? right? Yeah, uh, you know when you're a teenager and a preteen, your peers have such a strong, heavy influence over your actions and you know your thoughts. You know I came across a a study that revealed that children's interactions with peers have effects on their occupational status, mm -hmm. their salary, relationship success, emotional development, mental health, and even on physical health and mortality over 40 years later. Mm -hmm. 40 years later. Wow. So what they're going through right now will impact them later on when they're like in their 50s. And it also says that these effects are stronger than the effects of a children's IQ, their socioeconomic status, and their education status. So that that um that study was uh, pretty revealing to me because that's such a period of time where it's so influential and so critical mm -hmm. to your success down the line and your ability to navigate throughout life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just I'm just thinking as you as you were speaking, Kellyanne. I'm just going back to when I was in, um, you know, middle school or even before that in, in grade school, and and some of the things that I saw, um, and and you know, kids being bullied and and you know some of the interactions that I saw, and I'm just thinking right now, how did that, you know, um, affect those kids? How did some of that affect me? The mm. difference is is that when when I left and I went home from school, I did not have to deal with that until I got back to school the next the day. The next right. day. Right? In this, in our current time, a child would have to deal with that at school. They would have to deal with that on the way home, depending on how they're looking at their screen. They'd have to deal with that during the evening when they're home. They'd have to deal with that at the night. They'd have to deal with that every single moment. Hour and then when they return back to school, yeah. right? So it's very important that parents play a part. We'll go into this section next, right? Um, you know, it, it's no longer the old days where you can leave, uh, you know, uh, certain behaviors or, or um, certain opinions, um, you know, where it is. You know, if it's at work, it's at work. Or if it's at school, it's at school. Mm -hmm. This stuff is following you. Yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, because, of, because of screen time, because of social media, because of the way people interact in our modern society. Right? Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's where we are now. Right. Yeah. So we talk a lot about we talk a lot about the negative. We talk about we talk a lot about the negative areas about screen time. But there are some positive areas of screen time that that's true that's that true. we can look at. Right. For example, if a person has something going on in their life, right, they they are they can use the screen time for support. Or um, if a family member lives like far away and stuff, they can also use that 
the screen time to connect with one another. So there are some positive um, aspects of screen time. Now it's just balancing that part now, right? Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. if you're using it for support, if you're using it for communication, okay, that's good, right? But then if you flip it to the other side and start like seeing the negative stuff and that's affecting you, then there's just no balance there, right? Because it's almost like, okay, I'm I'm leaning towards this or I want to, you know, like look at that because that's more important than support or communication. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think just keeping a balance, which I know that we talked about, you know, that that preteens are not as developed as adults. So that balance will not be there for some. You know, I can't say it for all preteens because that that's not the case. But, you know, for some preteens, the balance is not there. And I think that's where it really affects the most. Yeah. And that's a, that's actually um, great that great observation because my um my boys my my sons their grandparents my wife's parents um they they spent half the year in, in one country and then they spent half the year here mm-hmm. and they're very attached to their grandparents so when their grandparents are away you know FaceTime easily they could be on that on that um screen with their grandparents for half an hour mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sometimes half an hour every other day or sometimes depending on what's going on it's half an hour every day. Right. Um, so that's important. Like when someone is away, that's that's an important use of screen time. Right. Um, work is an important use of screen time. Right. right. Um, you know, you know, catching up with friends and family. Those are all important use of screen time. I think what we want to make sure we, we, we capture is when it starts to affect the adolescent brain, the, the, the preteen and teenage brain, because they're on it so much. Right. Right. And, 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 and there's no regulation. They're not regulating it. And it, it becomes consuming for them. Right. Right. Because after, because after, and that screen, that FaceTime or, or after that phone call, right. It goes back to what social media. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. so after that phone call and after that screen time, that's over. And it goes back to what TikTok, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, how can we pull them away from, from that for that time, you know? And it's, it's pretty complex. So the American Academy of Pediatrics, they used to recommend less than two hours of screen time for um, ages five and, five and up. But now, because of all of these different ways of using screen time, it's not like a one size fits all, right? So now they're moving away from that. And the reality is we're on our, we're, we're on the screen. You know, we're mm-hmm. definitely more than two hours a day and not all screen time is equal. Right. So now for, you know, us as therapists, when, you know, we have clients coming in that are struggling with, you know, screen time and behaviors that they're, they're seeing that are occurring with their children, you know, it's, it's up to us to help them facilitate um, a plan of action that can be successful for the family unit. And also looking at the different systems that are in place for support, you know, especially as MFTs, we're looking at different systems. So we're talking about the family system, the school system, you know, on a micro level, the education system on a macro level, legislation, um, and putting those things into place to, to support families. Yeah, I, I think as therapists, we will begin to see more and more. I'm already seeing it a lot, um, and I know you guys are also seeing it. We we'll begin to see more and more that that young people are coming into our our um, sessions, um, feeling the effects of of screen time, social media, and 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 how that is causing a decline in in their mental health um, stability. Right. Um, so so when we're dealing in a system, 
systemic way with, with a young child, we need to be talking about how we make sure that families are creating healthy environments for our child to thrive, right? So number one, when I say healthy environment, making sure that, that there are some barriers or some limitations put on a child's use of screen time, right? Um, many parents tend to start to use a phone or an iPad as a babysitter, mm-hmm. right? Um, if I give them the iPad or I give them the phone, they're going to be quiet mm-hmm. and I don't have to worry about behaviors, mm-hmm. right? I don't have to worry about, you know, them acting out, you know, I can, I can have some peace and quiet, right? And I get it, but how is that harming that child? Right. Mm-hmm. And because- we'll, we'll get those clients that come in, right? Because their thought is they might've had a long day. Now mm-hmm. we're thinking, we're not just thinking about what we see that parent or the parents doing. We're thinking about everything else that's going on, mm-hmm. right? If they had a long day, they may not want to do that, right? Right. But if they need a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. you know, that might be their relief that they need to be able to move forward with the day or be able to move forward with their parenting. Mm-hmm. And so helping them understand and helping them balance those systems that are in place. And I think, um, Ian, what you were mentioning was coming up with some type of a plan. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, a contract, if, yeah. if you will. A contract, if you will, yeah. And and to go back to the behavior point, right? Yeah, some parents think about, oh yeah, because they're going to be quiet or they're going to not, you know, behave in a in a yeah. way that I don't, yeah, in a negative way. Not thinking that when this child grows up, right, to be nine, <laughs> ten, eleven, twelve, eleven, twelve, thirteen, they now and their behavior is through the roof, right? Mm-hmm. So you're trying to control behavior at two, three, four, five years old, but when now that child is nine, ten, eleven, mm-hmm. right, then that behavior and may be uncontrollable just because of that screen time for so, like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I think that I mean, and Losing I know that that. I know social interaction, like right. I mentioned earlier. Right. Yeah. So not I think that's something to, else to think about as well. Yeah, not knowing how to interact with peers, not knowing how to deal with simple, um, you know, disappointments or simple challenges in life, you know, um, you know, and and that caused again a decline in, in their in their mental health capacity, right? So so one of the recommendations from a few of the articles, um, and there's several recommendations, but one of the recommendations from several articles is creating a contract. Now again, we're talking about preteen teenagers, right? Um, that 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 are able to conceptualize, you know, asking for permission, uh, conceptualize why they, there should be some some um, limitations put on the on on their use. So you have to have a conversation with your child. Absolutely. Explain to them what your concerns are, right? Um, let them know that that it's not that you want to restrict them or keep them from interacting with their friends. But here are the concerns that we have, right? When you come up with a contract, right? Um, and and simply simply put, if you can explain that, if you have that relationship with your child and can, can explain that to them, then, then this should be easy. If you can't, it'd be wonderful to have someone like a therapist, mm-hmm. a marriage and family therapist, to help you facilitate that conversation with mm-hmm. you with your child. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so so let me let me tell you what a contract should look like. Let me give you some four points what that a contract should include, right? Um, the parents should have access to that to that account, whatever the social media account is. The parents mm-hmm. should have access to that account, right? That should be number one, right? Because as a parent, you should be in charge of what and know who your child is speaking with, and what they're posting 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You should have you should have access to that. Yes. But one of the things you might want to say is that listen, you know, um, if I'm ever going to check your account, I will I will notify and have you with me. Right. And it may be it may be me coming out of the blue and say, you know what, I'd like to take a look at what's going on in your account as a parent. And but, look together. But we're gonna be looking together, right? Okay. When you get a chance to sit down and explain to me why this is where it is or why this is happening, right? So I can have some context, right? How, how, how does that sound? That's a good point. You mentioned something very important. So you can have context mm -hmm. and not automatically assuming and drawing conclusions based on something you see. Yes. And also it allows um, it allows the teen or the child to have some input and have a voice, mm -hmm. you know, because there's so much that can come from whatever you see. Mm -hmm. There's so much that can come from that because that's their narrative. That's their story. Yeah. And that will help you as a parent to now have these guided conversations. Yeah. The other thing, and this is more about, about social media um, and, 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 you know, Instagram and all these different things. Unless it's for school or you're chatting with friends that, that the parent knows personally, you're not using your real name. Mm. And you're not giving your real address out, mm -hmm. right? Unless you're interacting with your school and your teachers who know your real name, um, you know, but if you're interacting with strangers that you don't know, you know, sometimes people get online and they play video games with other folks, or sometimes you're, you're, you're liking something, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're not using your real name, right? Um, absolutely not. You're not giving out your real address. Absolutely. Right. And, yeah. one and having thing that conversation too, because um, it, it can be very misleading. And also, I, I don't know a specific, any specific example, but I can only imagine as a preteen or a teen, mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. I am browsing and I see something and it's like, okay, um, put in your address so we can X, Y, and Z. Right, right. Very manipulative, yeah. very um, predatory, if you will. So that's an important conversation. Yeah. They definitely need to have a conversation before, yeah. you know. Um, but one thing also that I've seen in my experience with families is that some parents restrict um the use of these apps from mm. their own phone to their child's phone. So let's say that like maybe at six o'clock, that app will no longer be in use for that child, mm. you know? Um, so I think that's also a good thing, but then it's like, you know, it creates that tension, right? Between the parent and the child, right? Um, and what and what do you guys think about that? Like, just like restricting, um, you know, those apps at a certain time. So one of the one of the articles mentioned um, that that parent you, one of the things you should do is you tell your child that two hours before bedtime there should be no screen time because what happens and studies have proved the last thing you think about stays on your mind so right. when you can't sleep at night because you're thinking about what was just posted or anything like that. so two hours before bedtime there should be no screen time mm -hmm. but i think if you're having a conversation with your child and and, and it's a respectful conversation and your child trusts you and you can have that develop this contract you can say listen when it, when you go to bed you go to bed yeah you know you're not up on on on, on time you know some parents may say you know what turn your phone off or hand your phone in right. to me and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It all depends on the relationship you have with your child. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. But your type of parenting style. Yeah, as well. your type of parenting style. But ultimately, you want to build a trusting right. relationship with your child that if your child tells you something, if you, you tell your child something, it's going to be an honest exchange, right? Right. You know, so taking the phone away from them, how do you know that that 
they're not going to sneak around and do something else, right? So I would I would advise parents to build up that trust and relationship so that if they say, I'm turning my phone off, they're really turning their phone off, right? right? And so that's I'm why saying, I thought no, that that was like... Give me that phone like... right now. <laughs> Put it away. <laughs> and that may be a way to start. To start it off. You know what I mean? You're going to have to earn this trust. But again, it goes back to the parenting style. I would, you know, hope that we as parents can start off like that, but we also have to keep in mind the developmental aspect mm-hmm. of a preteen and teen. Mm-hmm. We all have the ways that we hope, you know, they would respond to whatever it is that that as a parent would say. So you think about your teens that you work with. Is it as easy as we're seeing? Absolutely not, right? right? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Right? Because they're preteens and they're teens. So the ability to make decisions, you know, being a little bit defiant sometimes, sneaking around, that yeah. happens. Yeah. I can tell you that when I was when I was like probably school, when you were in <laughs> if, if this was if, if there was social media around at that time and there were girls involved, you would mom, find a way. You would find a way. <laughs> There's no way my mom would be able to tell me, Oh, just put your phone down and don't turn it on. Just like, oh, give me that phone. I'm putting it <laughs> up. That's what I'm saying. Because you know you're gonna be looking for that phone too. Is it to take the phone? You're gonna be searching. But then that's what I'm saying. It goes back to the point where I said that parents um, like monitor from their own phone the child's apps. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Which it, it's that's that's something different. But what, that I didn't is even... there an app that has that? Yes. yes. And that's the other thing. What yes. about the parents that aren't as tech savvy? You know, I know, but parents but, that are can restrict the Instagram and can restrict the TikTok and can restrict. So it's just like forget about the parents that is sink or swim, then, huh? Yes, that's a, that's a great. That's no, a great, that's a great money maker parenting class that teaches parents how to be tech savvy. I didn't even I know about necessary. that. You know, I, I didn't know even either. know. I just, I just learned a few years ago when I was, you know, like working with families. It's like screen. It's like having access to their phone, like, like exactly. So on like my phone, sharing it'll be on like phone. at seven o'clock. You will not have access to Instagram yeah. at all, especially mm. if they're sharing a plan. Yes, mm. yes, yes. Interesting. So, so some other things that that um, the, the article, this contract, right? We're talking about the contract, right? Some other things that the contract pointed out. Um, I think this is the, I'm on the third thing right now. Yeah, the third one. Again, social media, no sending nude photos. No sending nude photos, right? No sending or receiving. Imagine having that conversation with a preteen teenager. Yeah, yeah. There definitely has to be. um, It, it 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 has something that, I mean, again, the, most kids are invested in keeping their phones and keeping their social media intact, right? Where they can mm-hmm. communicate. So you say to them, no sending or receiving, um, you know, and, and let them know why. And this is important to have this conversation. Again, for those parents who are unaware or unafraid or afraid or, or don't know how to have this conversation, you know, um, I would advise they seek a therapist to, to help facilitate this conversation, right? Um, but yeah, but that's a no-no. No sending or receiving new photos, mm-hmm. right? Because we know what can happen. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And and it usually it's usually I, I got I got you know this is not me, but usually young ladies fall prey to this. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, I would I would I I would like to see the stats on that. I don't know if that's an assumption or if it's factual. However. Mm-hmm. I can see how that might be an assumption. 
I'm thinking about a a story that I read, and I I can't remember the exact details, but um, it did lead to a teenager committing suicide because he was in communication. Something happened with new photos, and the person said, "Give me X amount of money, or I'm releasing all of these photos." And it was it was a man. Um, the child was obviously distraught didn't feel like he could reach out to his parents mm -hmm. and instead decide to take his life. Mm -hmm. And so to your point of like no new photos, I'm thinking what conversations need to happen so that you can have that conversation Definitely about the sex tool. nude photos. Um, because that, yes. that doesn't happen like, okay, here's the checklist. All right, let me check off this. I did this, I did this, I did that. Conversations in a relationship has to ha has to be in place in order to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about parenting or when families come in, setting that foundation to lead up to that so that you know that conversation can happen and it won't feel extremely awkward yeah. or it would feel more open and and honest. I think you're right. I think two things two things can happen, right? Obviously, a therapist can facilitate that conversation, but I think also parents use opportunities that may arise in the news or may arise mm -hmm. from what your kids tell you to have conversations like that, right? So when something like this happened in school and the kids, oh my God, guess what? This kid, those are teachable mm -hmm. moments. Those are mm -hmm. times we right. can have those conversations, right? They say, you know what? Here's here's what we can learn from this. But right? now, is it is it? But now. The question that came to my mind was, do we wait for these things to happen to have these conversations, you know, no. or, or should we, you know, or should parents have these conversations before these things happen? I think, I it's, think, it, I think it's and, I think, not or. Yeah, I think it would definitely right. be a combination. Um, but okay, go. Oh, there's one more, the, one the, more point. The last to... thing is um, the parent... Um, again, this is this is a contract, right? That anything you're going to post, you know, um, there should be an agreement that your parent review it. Yes, I right? agree. Um, anything that you're going Jeez. to post. Now you got to manage your account and your kid's account. It, 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 <laughs> it, it should, there should be an agreement that. I could barely get a single post in, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, this is All right, important. let me see what you're going to post first. This is important. All right, now it's my turn. Matter of fact, let's post together. You post, I post. Yeah, no, but, you know. And that's it. That's those are the four. Those are the four points. Anything that you're gonna post, um, you should you should you know anything you plan on posting, you should let your your, your parent your parents should be reviewing that. Now, you know I, mean? I think these are great um, points, right? So, when family comes in, we review some of these pointers. We start to build, help facilitate building this contract, and the child says. I feel like my privacy is being invaded. I have no privacy. I have to consult with my parents for everything. What do we do with that? I think that, again, what that contract is doing is it's it's allowing you, it's not invading your privacy. I don't think mm -hmm. the contract is invading your privacy. Well, I'm thinking the mind of a, of a preteen and a teen. Yeah, I think the contract is saying that. I have some concerns. Right, about social media and all of the dangers of social media. And here is how I plan to protect you as my child. Okay. Right? Um, I'm not telling you who you should have as friends on, on social media. 
Um, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you, you know, you know, I mean, (laughs) I'm not telling you can't be on social media, but if you plan on being on social media, I need to be a part of keeping you safe. Right. And I think that has to be the forefront that this is about your safety. Keeping you safe. Right. Um, You know, I would not send you to walk the streets by yourself at midnight. And I'm running an analogy because when you when you allow your child to go into the social media world, when you allow your child to go into the social media world, what happens is that you're sending them into this into this world by themselves. If you're not monitoring them, you're sending them into this world. And and ex- in, it exists and they're, for yeah, infinity. And they're whatever's out there is out there. They're able to interact with millions of people. Mm-hmm. Millions of people are able to see them, comment about them, say things to them mm-hmm. with no protection. Right. Right, so you are you are actually putting a safeguard in place so that the bad elements on social media do, do not really harm your child. Mm-hmm. Just putting my MFT hat on, well, keeping it on, but and I'm thinking about okay. structural family therapy and just thinking about the family structure, hierarchy, boundaries, you know. And just thinking about the work we can do with families, especially as this comes up as a topic, Mm -hmm. to help build that trust. And what do you you all think in terms of, you know, as as therapists, MFTs, when they come in, you have like a particular model in mind that you think of or a couple of models? Well, to use structural therapy, if we're talking about, if we're talking about the hierarchy position, right, we would have to to look at that family and see where the hierarchy is mm-hmm. first, right? So if we're looking at a child who's been parentified, then we could probably take a structural approach. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess it just depends. Yeah. Um, you know, so if we're looking at a family from that perspective, then yes, right, structural would work. If we're looking at a family that may need a Bowen um, model, then Mm -hmm. we'll take it from there, right? So I think it just all depends on, you know, um, the family and where they are at, at the time that they come in with us, Mm -hmm. you know, to use a certain model. You know what I mean? What would we start off asking when families come in and, you know, the, the presenting problem or issue is, my child is always on their phone. <clears throat> I try to take it away, but my child needs the phone because um, they have to speak to their other parent or family, or sometimes they need it for their after-school program, right? So they have access to their phone when the caretaker isn't necessarily in the same room to say, give me your phone, you know? And that becomes a, a issue and it's creating tension between the child and the parents. Where do we start with, with something like that? Well, because I would that, ask that's like, like a, would, would you say that's like a I common? would ask like if there was an agreement prior to the child having the phone in the first place, you know what I mean? The issue that we're gonna have with families coming is after it blows up. Right. right. It's not It's not what happened prior, after it blows up. So Right, so our but, job is to kind of yeah. dig what, what happened, you know, prior to that, because you're right, they're going to come in and we're, they're going to come in after it blew up, but we need the context yeah. of it, you know. Yeah. I think for me, what I've learned is that 
children need to what I've learned is that children need to have context. They need mm -hmm. to have clear explanations. Yes. They need to have clear boundaries That's and they need to know what they're working with. Right? So when I have a family that, that comes into me and there's some difficulties some challenges with screen time and um, young people understanding that, you know, parents are concerned about the screen time or maybe parents not understanding that young people, you know, um, need screen time and, and, you know, they need to be, um, you know, on screen, on the screen, whether it be interacting or, or doing schoolwork, you know, parents may be thinking that it's too much time on the screen. One of the things I want to do is, is establish with them what the expectations are, uh, what the expectations are from the parent, what the expectations are from the child, right? The one thing I've learned is that um, children, young people need clear boundaries, clear expectations. They need clear rules about how the game is played, right? And when we, as adults, fail to set those things up, that's when things go, go wrong. Now, I'm not saying that whenever you're staff, every time you establish clear boundaries, clear rules, clear expectation, um, sometimes things don't go right. But what I'm saying, is it's, it's, it's more clear for a child when they know what they're working with, right? So and consistency, right? Consistency, yes. Consistency is, is part of that, right? So what I'm saying is that establishing clear guidelines for what you expect as a parent, right? Together with that child. So you're not just establishing this and saying, here's what you need to follow uh, to that child. Together you sit down and you talk about why these rules are important and, and why, you know, it makes that child safe, um, you know, and, and, and why these, these rules need to be established together with that child, right? So, so what, what I do as a therapist, I help to facilitate that conversation, right? I'm not the one setting the rules. They together set the rules, right? Um, and helping them to understand that, that it's necessary for them both to work together to set those rules about social media use, about screen time use, and about all, all of that stuff. So as a therapist, I'm the facilitator, but they together create it. And if, if I find that, that things may be a little out of whack, I help them to ask questions. As to why do you feel that that child only needs to be on on screen time 10 minutes instead of maybe half an hour, right? Is that fair? Is that logical? Is that likely? You know, uh, what can you do in 10 minutes? Can they really, you know, so you ask those questions, right? So some tips that we would like to share with you all is avoid screen times before bed, avoid snacking while using screens to make eating more intentional and no use of screens during family meals. So mm -hmm. setting a time a where, yeah, like setting a time where, you know, when it's time to eat, no phones at the table. I feel so old school when I do that because when <laughs> my kids are like, um, so no phones? I'm like, no, we're going to have a conversation. There was a little bit of resistance because they're so used to it. And even myself, you know, but physically putting the phone somewhere else yeah. or at least turning it down because you'll get tempted to look at a message um and over time like there's so much bond there so much conversation and it, that and I, it's a I way to connect tip. you know it's Definitely a way to connect a way to connect just because when there's so much screen time as we said earlier there's no room for connection so mm -hmm. just having um this time to connect at you know family meals and you know i think that's a great way I think it's also a great thing for, for parents to be able to monitor what their child is eating, right? Or the children are eating, right? Um, when you have, when you set aside that family time to eat, parent actually, you're either preparing the meal or you get a chance to order with them and you know exactly what they're eating. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, so that's important, right?
right? I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a restaurant and I see, you know, whether it be couples and they both have their phone out or entire family eating at the restaurant and everybody have their, their phones out, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and so I'm wondering, you know, is it, are you guys here to just eat or, or are you here to bond? And it doesn't seem like any bonding is going, everybody have their, their devices out there on those devices. Right. So that's that's and just not healthy in my opinion. And I'm not trying to shame anybody. No, it's, it's that's why it's important to be intentional because it's become habitual, you know, and without even thinking about it. And I think it's also helpful and important for, um, for there to be some modeling done. And having those phone-free zones, like in the bathroom, or um, in specific areas, whatever you think that would work, you know, just taking some small steps would be helpful. And yeah. sometimes we got to start with ourselves because yeah. I'm, I'm guilty of it too. So I know I have to physically put my phone somewhere else until I'm at a place where, you know, I just not respond to messages and I'll uh, get to it when I can. I think the modeling is very important because it's, it's hard for you as a parent to ask your child um, or it's disingenuous to ask a child to do something when they see you doing something the right. opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the model is very important as well. Yeah. It sends mixed, mixed messages, messages as well. Yeah. 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 And so one last point that I wanted um, to share was that parents can also establish screen-free zones like bathrooms and bedrooms. There was one thing that I read, I think it was, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't remember what day it was, but it was definitely this week that um, I think it was doctors were saying that people should not go into the bathroom with their phones because they're not able to use the bathroom because they're so on their phone. So you can practice mindful bowel movement. Yes. So basically if you are on your phone too much, the bowel movement, I'm sorry, and not to get so, you know, with this bowel movement, but it, it doesn't happen because you're so connected to your phone in the bathroom. Is it the same like reading a newspaper, like a magazine? One might argue that. So, you know, you're, you're shaking your head. No. But I don't, I don't, I don't go to the. I just think it's it's nasty to go to the bathroom. You know, because you I know, there's no magazines in the bathroom. You know, the Bible might have like. Well, think about it, right? You're going into the bathroom. You have your phone in your hands. You have to put it down someplace that's nasty. Oh, that's that, you know, and then and then after you use the bathroom, you're picking up the. Even if you wash your hands, you're picking up the dirty phone. Right. Make sure you bring a light. So, all right, let's let's wrap this up before we uh, start getting into sanitizing. And yes. 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 Oh. <laughs> yep. Sounds good. Yes, yes. All right. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope you all enjoyed. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram. We are the Trey MFT. Like, subscribe, and share.